Hi there, listener. It's Matthew. You've come looking for an episode of the Children's Book Podcast, and you've found it. Hooray! But you're probably wondering why the name of the podcast has changed. After eight years of doing the Children's Book Podcast, I began a new career as head of podcasts at A Kid's Company About, where I now oversee a podcast network dedicated to producing original content that talks up to kids, centers the things going on in their world, and engages and challenges how they see the world and themselves. All of the episodes of the Children's Book Podcast are still here, but now, if you're subscribed, you'll get new episodes of Worth Noting, a kid's podcast about current events, hosted by me. Something for you and the young people in your life to enjoy together. Enjoy this episode, and I hope you'll check out Worth Noting and other podcasts from a kid's company about... We are all safe at home, but we can turn to books for company. Visit MatthewCWinner.com and click on Shop in order to support independent bookstores while supporting your favorite bookmakers and kidlit podcasters. Same books, same great prices, but this time your dollars make a difference for someone or some indie bookstore trying to make a difference. Go to MatthewCWinner.com and click on Shop to choose your next great read. It's been a long time. <laughs> Hello, how are you? I'm a couple years older, that's how I am. <laughs> Me too, I, gonna, I assume. I assume the same for you. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think we do age at the same rate. I'm not quite sure. Ah, uh, well, you know, the, the, the world is a changed place since we last <laughs> talked. I think I'm going to be about 30 years older after quarantine, so I don't worry. No, right? <laughs> There's nothing more monstrous than the injustice of sibling rivalry. This is the Children's Book Podcast, episode number 596. I'm your host, Matthew Winner. Today I'm joined by Bethan Wolven, author and illustrator of Bo the Brave. All of Bethan's picture books up to this point have been retellings of well-known fairy tales, but with a twist. Little Red featured an empowered child unwilling to be bested by the wolf. Rapunzel refused to be confined by fear in the witch's tower. Hansel and Gretel has wicked children who tease a witch unrelentingly. And get what's coming to them. Beth Ann's newest picture book is an original fairy tale, and it centers on Bo, a young princess who yearns to be invited along on her brother's quest for monsters. When Bo sets out on her own, she discovers that monsters are, quite unjustly, what we make them out to be. And from that point forward, Bo seeks to see the individuals she encounters as who they are, and not what the stories say they should be. Please welcome my guest, Bethan Wolven, author and illustrator of Bo the Brave. So I'm Bethan Wolven. Um, I'm a UK-based uh, author and illustrator. Um, uh, my pronouns are she, her, or hers. Um, or you can just refer to me as the witch. I'm fine with that too. Um, and uh, I'm best known for my love of fairy tales and have done a lot of books based around twisting them and 
uh, create. I'm I'm kind of starting my own create my own fairy tale creations now, which is really fun. I love it. We first talked way, <laughs> way, way back when you were debuting with Little Red. Oh, I know. So long ago. Isn't it wonderful? <laughs> that book, too. How wonderful. Peachtree shared with me um, a copy of the paperback edition, which has the most wonderful, like, jacket flaps that are cut out. So beautiful. Oh, yes, oh my yes. gosh. I love it. I love it yeah. so much. But, They're so fun, yeah. We, I mean, over here in the UK, I think uh, paperbacks um, are more of a thing, okay. maybe, than over in the US. Um, so we kind of publish these really beautiful paperbacks with little hidden flaps and cut-out parts, which are really fun as well. So, well, I, I don't know why American publishing is different, other than maybe the hardcover copies stand really well in a library that really works out well um but but uh sometimes you yeah we have to wait a little bit to get a a paperback edition so uh regardless i'm glad that it's fun that peachtree uh is sort of playing around with offering two different formats two different things it's sort of a new way to, to to discover the book that's that's really fun yeah, but it's really nice. I'm glad we're doing that. <laughs> and look at you. Speaking of playing around with things, you've got an original fairy tale with Bo the Brave. I love that you're writing, not just twisting <laughs> fairy tales, but you're you're telling them all your own. Yeah, so I guess, I mean... It was really fun and to work on, you know, twisting the original fairy tales. So we did Little Red, we did Rapunzel, and then we did Hansel and Gretel. And I can't like after we did Hansel and Gretel, um, I remember having a bit of a meeting with my publishers and kind of, you know, talking about what we were gonna do next. Um, and we didn't really want to move away entirely from fairy tales because it's really at the essence of, of what I love um, and it, it's what inspires me the most. Um, but we just wanted to kind of find a really healthy middle ground between, uh, you know, like a, an existing fairy tale and then also finding a way to make it a new and contemporary tale. So um, that's kind of what we're aiming for at the moment and, and what we, we did with Bo the Brave. So. I love that. I love in Bo the Brave that you take this girl who's got two rambunctious brothers who are out to to find (laughs) and kill monsters. And along the way, we find that there's sort of been different monsters at play all along. But that the the Bo is, uh, in a sense, able to see the humanity in the people or the creatures around her. That, That what... I, I mean, if we go deep on it, that, that conversation or the question <laughs> around what exactly makes or defines a monster is really something that resonates throughout this book. That monsters are are things that we name. Otherwise, they're just things inhabiting the world <laughs> that have feelings. <laughs> exactly. We, we thought exactly the same thing when we were making it. And it was kind of, I mean, first off, it was, I definitely wanted to tap into that sibling rivalry because we've all like, I come from a big family, you know that and kind of there's nothing more monstrous than the kind of the unjustness of sibling relationships, how 
your bigger brother can go out and hunt a monster, but you're not allowed to because you're a year younger. It's not fair. <laughs> so we, um, when we were kind of creating it, we wanted to kind of create this sibling rivalry, which kind of um, was all focused around these monsters um, and kind of looking and playing on what a monster is and whether that could be um, a creature you don't know a lot about or it could be actually someone you know very well. So, yeah, it was all uh, just an interesting play on a story. So I love, Bevan, that you chose monsters that that Bo would say, well, you certainly look like a monster, but they end up being monsters that we as the reader recognize that we know griffins, we know dragons. These are things that we know because probably because so many of us love a good monster story. <laughs> we know the Kraken, but we don't know the Kraken to say, here, let me read to you. Do you mind if I read to you? You know, I love of reading to you. We, um, here, let me, Oh, and of course my pages are falling out everywhere because I have a folded and gathered copy. <laughs> They're not going to be in order. No, no. <laughs> we will remix it. But um, Bo at this point has met a griffin, um, and I want to introduce us to the Kraken. So I'm going to um, just say that she is traveling along with the griffin when the text mm -hmm. reads, It wasn't long before they spotted another strange creature. Beware, you slimy monster! I'm Bo the Brave! Bo stretched out to capture the beast beneath the waves. Get ready to be! But she leaned over too far and toppled overboard. You simply, simply must learn to swim, the sea creature bellowed, plucking Bo from the waves. And me? A monster? Don't be ridiculous. I'm the Kraken. I mean you no harm. Bo was suspicious. The Kraken looked like a monster and smelled like a monster, but a true monster wouldn't have saved her. She is far too nice to be a monster, thought Bo. So Bo told the Kraken about her quest. And we continue, I heard the monsters <laughs> live in caves, the Kraken said. And so they set off to find one. I love it. It's so, it's just like immediately uh, untangling the, the notions or the presumptions that I get ready to be got. Well, no, you're wrong. I'm not a monster. Clearly, I'm not a monster. <laughs> Just immediately dissolving that. Not like, I mean, I'm not even going to play with the thought of fighting you. Let me just dispel these thoughts you have right now. <laughs> well, exactly. And, and it's kind of like, well, even if I am a monster, I've got a name. I'm a kraken or I'm a dragon or or whatever. And And it's kind of playing on that idea that as a child, you when you refer to something as a monster or a beast, you've immediately got to dislike it in some way. It's got to be really scary um, or unpleasant in some way. And actually, her first impressions every time she's meeting these creatures is that they're not scary or horrible at all. So it's, it's yeah, it's, it's interesting to to work with that as in a story. So. The, the notion of um, finding that this is the wrong word maybe to use here, but but you're right. When we call someone or something a monster, we're, we're dehumanizing it. We are uh -huh. saying that I don't see you as a living being. But it strikes me now that you're calling attention to it that Bo, we don't even get Bo approaching any of these creatures 
and showing fear or hesitation. It's just like, hey, monster, time time to to get got, as the <laughs> phrase goes. And that's interesting to have that, too, that it, that already you're establishing a dynamic in their relationship where it's not a fear-based or protection-based or self-defense-based. It's just, I'm on a mission, and you're the thing that I'm supposed to be conquering, which really, I think, points out the absurdity of of calling things monsters at all. Well, exactly. And I, and I think as well, I've always kind of thought of Bo as probably seeing herself as equal to her siblings despite their obvious age difference. And so if she sees herself as equal to them and they're going out and they're not scared, they're very excited to be going and hunting a monster, then why, there is no fear there for her. So it's kind of, yeah, just uh, um, working out how to sort of portray her because I wanted her to be instantly very brave and not show any fear. And why would she? You know, these creatures are really lovely. So, yeah, it's, it's been, it was really fun to to work with these characters and sort of intertwining them with this idea of you don't really, you can't judge someone on, on the way that they look. Have you, did you set out um, with Bo in mind, with a female character in mind? Um, was there a reason to make Bo a girl? Well, I think I'm always thinking of my stories in a way that I can portray a female lead um, yeah. in, a, in, a, in a strong way. Um, I think because I really wanted to, you know, set the story in this medieval time. Um, so kind of the whole book has this almost medieval aesthetic. And, you know, stories from, you know, the medieval era, era are not always um, portraying women in the best light. And even sort of a lot of story, like picture books now that have... Um, are focused around a medieval world quite often will have um, a male lead which is absolutely fine too but you know it was something that I was really wanting to kind of tap into when I started uh, kind of creating this story so because the, yeah. the reason why I ask I mean I I know you I know a lot <laughs> of the reason why you make the choices you do but again with the 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 cleverness of how this book is written, with the thoughtfulness, not cleverness, the thoughtfulness of how this book is written, you also don't write a book, and you never have written a book that I've read that has been like, listen, girls are important, and the patriarchy is trying to tell you something different, but we're going to <laughs> flip that on its head. But rather, instead, just showing a story that is just so. Bo gets to be the girl that she wants to be. She's got a toy in her room that is a princess wearing, like, the, I don't know, stereotypical princess garb. But she also has a bear <laughs> rug, and she also has, like, this mushroom <laughs> under glass from her explorations. She's got a lot of different qualities to her, which I think speaks to intersectionality and speaks to being just the person that you are. Um, and so I... 
I see that in Bo. Even that her name is is Bo. <laughs> it just seems like <laughs> there's. It, it reminds me of the of you know the 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 tool that you use to shoot an arrow. It reminds me of, uh-huh. I suppose, of Toy Story 4 and how Bo Peep is sort of this redefined character in that animated movie. Yeah. There's a lot of <laughs> things like that where I'm like, there's, that, there might be happy accidents or intentional things going on here. But there's a there's a lot of stuff that just it, it just it just works. And it's it's I'm glad that you and your editors, but especially just your brain for storytelling is not so heavy handed, but rather relies on the author or the author rather relies on the reader paying attention, looking at the details that you've laid down and and figuring out that story themselves. Hello, fellow book nerds. I'm bringing back the monthly book club, New and Improved. For $25, you can receive one book per month from a title featured on the podcast. Books are hand-selected in partnership with BrainLayer Bookstore. They ship anywhere in the U.S. and Canada, shipping included. And they're also accompanied by a special book club mini podcast episode available to all patrons at this tier breaking down just what makes this book so special and set apart. You love children's books. You love independent bookstores. You love this podcast. Let's combine all of that into one awesome piece of mail each month that can be enjoyed over and over for many months to come. The feature book we picked for May is Hello Neighbor, The Kind and Caring World of Mr. Rogers by Matthew Cordell. It's outstanding, and if you haven't picked it up yet, this is the perfect chance. Visit MatthewCWinner.com, click on Patreon at the top of the page, or use the link in the show notes to access Patreon if you feel like if it's a good fit for you and where you're at right now. And if it's not, sharing the podcast with friends over social media, word of mouth, or any other means still goes a long way. Thanks for listening for sharing, for allowing me into your ears and your laundry folding and your dog walking and your dishwashing each week. I love every minute of it. Well, I think that when, when I'm kind of creating stories, you know, you know, you know, I'm, you know, a massive feminist and I think absolutely there's always a time and a place and to kind of explore those opinions and especially areas where you need to be heavy-handed with that but I've not always found that it's been the right platform for me to be very heavy-handed in children's books um I think I I kind of my ultimate goal is to create stories that all children enjoy um, and kind of seeing a positive female role model, which isn't um, necessarily particularly princessy or um, overly um, kind of glittery and pink. Um, I think there's a really, like a really good way to kind of explore a female character that is going to be exciting for all readers not just girls so that's kind of the the way in which I kind of explore my story ideas and create my characters it's about like who's going to enjoy reading about 
this character and and how am I going to make her uh, kind of her personality shine through in, in, you know, the little bits of illustration details that I do, um, kind of showing that, you know, she's really adventurous and like you were saying about kind of all of the little things she's gathered from her explorations um, and kind of making her not just a kind of, you know, a, a vague character, making her someone. So yeah. that's really kind of what I was aiming to do with, with Bo and it's kind of like what I aim to do with all of my characters really about making an appealing character for everyone. Um, and, you know, it's, it's been such a, an interesting um, kind of world to create because we, you know, we've got um, a medieval world, but I've illustrated it in colors, which don't re necessarily reflect what your, uh, opinions of a or the aesthetics of a medieval world would be so we've got like bright magenta we have teal and then we also have a really bright orange colors that do not mix at all um and aren't all uh, neutral colors either so it's been really fun to, to play with that too um so you know i think a lot of, about colors <laughs> you know <laughs> that i do too <laughs> I was so excited so, for us to get into colors. I mean, you just brought us there. How is wonderful. there a whole section on colors? When I'm talking to you, of course there is. Are you kidding me? <laughs> of course there is. I, I, I think forever I'm fascinated with artists that can employ the limitation of a of a a color palette of I don't know four, three or four or five colors. That limited, tight color palette that makes us read art more more through i don't know like symbols and icons and shapes and it's it just it it feels there's something more striking to me to this reader i can't speak for everyone but i <laughs> i was so delighted when i saw bo the brave that it was these my brain goes straight to i don't know why it goes straight to like candy the colors <laughs> look like candy to me the castle and the the crags the mountains they're all mm -hmm. grays and blacks but yeah the sky and and bow and the trees are these wonderful greens and orange and and pinks that are not as you're saying they're not natural and yet they they feel like they are and i think that's <laughs> why i'm drawn to them when you have a book that there's a confidence in the colors used that just feels like yeah that's the right color yeah, I get it. Those are the colors that they're supposed to be. It feels <laughs> it feels wonderful. I mean, we, you know, when we were sitting down brainstorming, uh, you know, I'd probably barely written the book when I'm already like, let's get the color swatches out. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it, you know, I, I'm such a visual person. So as I'm writing um, kind of snippets of a story, I'm also immediately thinking about how it's going to look on a page. Um, because, you know, I do a lot of my storybook creation visually in my head um, and colors really help me with that. So when I've got kind of like a color or two to latch onto, uh, those uh, parts of the stories form a lot easier in my head. Um, so we, we sat down. And, uh, you know, we're looking at colors and we're talking about, you know, what colors do you kind of see in, in medieval um, 
you know, paintings and tapestries and, and things like that. And, you know, we started looking at kind of really deep greens and like rouge and, you know, kind of quite dark colors. And I was like, no, this is not it. It needs to be garish. And before you know it, we were looking at the three most clashing colors possible. You know, I use um, <laughs> I, whenever I make a a presentation for um, whatever I'm presenting on, whatever webinar or whatever, I go onto this website where they have Pantone sets. Uh-huh. And I love playing around with with color sets like that. And I think that that to me, it's got to be just color theory, which you probably went to school for and know all about. But from <laughs> from an outsider that just looks at books like me, the idea that these garish, seemingly random colors can fit, can be, can be a story is, is just so wonderful. It's so delightful to know that like, well, I'm going to block the dragon as this color and the kraken as this color and the griffin as this color. And Bo will have typically this color looking and she'll set apart from her brothers by, you know, by switching the color of their hair, but they will be siblings because of the color of their tunics. That kind of (laughs) color the color stories that you're making are just so fascinating to me. I love that. <laughs> well, I think, um, you know, we it's for a lot of, you know, kind of uh, when you're working with just a few colors, you have to be so careful with like how you kind of put things together because if you're not careful and you've decided to color three characters in orange, then when they're all sitting next to each other, they're all going to be one big lump of orange. <laughs> um, so <laughs> it's kind of almost like a painting by numbers for me where I'm thinking, oh, okay, it's, it's like a challenge. I've got to try and work out how all these colors are going to fit together. But actually, you know, it was a lot um, when I was only doing three colors, so uh, like red, black and gray for little red. It was in some ways easier so when I started adding more colors into the mix, because this is the first one that's got uh, five colors, I believe, it's kind of, it made it all a lot more difficult, actually, to uh, use more colors. I'm far more confident when I'm just using one or two. So this book was like a real challenge for me. But we also wanted to, when we were moving in the direction of like publishing, um kind of my own versions of like like a real um my own creative tale in a way um we wanted to take a step um with that story uh in a sort of on a sideways motion to kind of um add like an extra color in um or two so that they felt uh well Bo the Brave kind of felt like it's um, own standalone book aside for it because a lot of people might have thought that it was also like another kind of twisted fairy tale and, and mm. wanted everyone to know that it was you know a standalone tale so that was part of the reasoning for the other colors I love that just by adding a color or two colors it, being, it can become <laughs> that much more complicated that's uh-huh. really fun to think about. Um, I also, though, wanted to make sure as I'm watching our time that I brought our attention and readers' attention for when you when you have the book in your hands to your end papers, which are, <laughs> at first glance, the 
they're the same map, if you will. They're the the mm-hmm. same map of the Alpine Kingdom with Bo herself drawing on the map on the first one of here's me and here's my brothers and we're in the castle and here's all these other lands that have you know this is where the horrid forest monsters live and where the slimy <laughs> sea monsters live and it's all these 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 plural um, homes for uh, these individuals um, and then at the end of the book. Not only do we have Bo map out her journey, but and and then call her brothers monsters instead of stinky. <laughs> but but we also have um, little things that I noticed, like you've added or she has added all of these monsters that aren't even labeled yet, just ones that she's sort of aware of. We have that she's no longer at her home holding up a sword, but rather her hands are behind her back, a much more sort of mm. pacifist stance. <laughs> uh, I just, I don't know. There's just things here that are, this is going to sound ridiculous. There's things here that are so adorable and I love it. But the part my brain goes to is, <laughs> is it hard to draw like a child? <laughs> Um, I would say it probably is really hard to draw as a child, like like a child. But actually, my sister drew that. That's so awesome. <laughs> because, well, I I just really wanted um, my sister to kind of like have free reign. You know, she she's six, so um, we. I sort of said to her like, I want you to kind of draw some just really weird creatures. Um, and I'll find a way to put it in a book. So she drew me. Um, well, she drew all of the, the little characters you see on the back. There's kind of um, like a bunny with horns. Um, it's like a duck-looking kind of, thing. <laughs> there's, there's a, I mean, there's some really odd things on there. There's a snake, which yep. is huge. Um, but the snake but also she, looks like... She also she played a bit of a trick on me because... I sort of promised to her that all of her drawings would make it into the book. And she sent me a picture. Um, one of the drawings that she sneaked in was um, a poo with a face. Um, <laughs> and I was like, oh, how am I going to add this in? You're so naughty. Um, which is now repurposed as the um, the lake monster. I'm sure you'll see <laughs> Oh but, no, that's hilarious! <laughs> so that's uh, how those little drawings made it in, and so I kind of tricked her back, and she—I felt—I think she felt a bit double-crossed, actually. Well, but... I was—I was going to say <laughs> the the snake in the forest is brilliant because, again, the way your eye reads it, because she's just got this like long oval with zigzags for the stripes, but it looks like teeth. It looks like it looks like the entire forest is a giant, you know, being with these big teeth. And I thought that is the coolest. But to know that a six year old drew it is the greatest thing. <laughs> I know she was she was very she really enjoyed it, actually. Um, I think I think I drew the kind of the little characters, so Bo and her brothers. I think I drew that. But um, the rest of all of the little weird kind of creatures um, she drew and kind of it really I kind of wanted, you know, I'm not obviously going to give away the ending, but we really wanted to, you know, tap in and kind of it's how we kind of entwined it throughout the book where, you know, even from her bedroom, you know, you can see that she likes collecting things. She likes studying um, creatures and animals. Um, and so we've kind of got her like set up towards the end of the book as being kind of this, 
almost David Attenborough-esque uh, character who's going out <laughs> and finding all these new creatures. Um, so, yeah, I really, really liked uh, the idea that my sister was just drawing these bizarre kind of characters for, for, you know, the end papers, so. Oh, well, that's, the whole book is so delightful, but to hear you smiling the entire time we've talked and just knowing the joy that this book brought you, I'm sure that there were times when you were really laboring hard on this book, but to have an end product that feels so light and lovely and fun and carries such a big message in in such a, a deceptively simple package. It's just beautiful, Beth. And you, you make beautiful books. I'm a big fan. And I sure am grateful that we got a chance to talk today. Oh, thank you so much. I'm delighted. I love coming on here. I, I mean, you can obviously tell I'm a massive chatterbox. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's not hard for me to come and chat about myself for now. That's, that's amazing. Well, I will look forward to whatever you're working on now, whatever you've got coming next. But prior to that, I more look forward to sharing you and your voice with my students as I've already shared your books. So I'll end this way. Bethan, I will see a library full of children tomorrow morning. Is there a message that I can bring to them from you? The only one I could think of was, even if you're little, it's doesn't mean you can't be smart, brave, and strong. The Children's Book Podcast is recorded and produced by me, Matthew Winner, in my library studio in Ellicott City, Maryland. You can subscribe to the podcast and access the archive of over 600 episodes at matthewcwinner.com. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear, care of the free music archive. All views and opinions expressed on the show are those of the individuals and don't reflect the ideas or viewpoints of the publishers of the books referenced. Want to help out the show? Become a patron, and you can directly impact and help to sustain the podcast. Writing a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with friends through Facebook, Twitter, word of mouth, or any other means helps reach more listeners, which leads to more content and more amazing guests. And that is a very good thing indeed. We know you value what you put in front of your kids, especially when it comes to screens and podcasts. That's why we're excited to share a new podcast from our friends at Sleepiest, creating bedtime stories to help your kids fall asleep fast. Hello, Abby here. If you've got children and find bedtimes a struggle, I'd like to tell you about Coco Sleep, a children's story podcast designed to make bedtime a dream. Coco Sleep turns a chaotic bedtime into cosy bonding time. The stories are delivered in a pace that gently slows. Rumour has it that no one's ever heard an ending. So search Coco Sleep on your favourite podcast app and let's make bedtime a dream. That's K-O-K-O Sleep and I'll see you there.